0: Today, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are gathered here today to celebrate God and to also celebrate the fact that God has called us into community. Friends, will you stand with me if you're able and let the words of the psalmist call us into this day? The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders, the Lord over mighty waters. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood, the Lord sits enthroned as king forever.
1: May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people
0: with peace. Let us worship the Lord. in the act of confession all we're really doing is coming together before god and admitting that we can do better and god already knows that we can so perhaps the words are a reminder of what the transforming power of the holy spirit is willing and able to accomplish when we're willing to change let's go to god and confession together god We thank you that you have not left us alone in our sin. Loving us, you have brought us good news and set before us the way of life. Yet we confess that we have not always seen the way or lived the way. In pride, we have spurned your mercy and your grace. In selfishness, we have turned away from those in need around us we have allowed ourselves to be crushed by troubles, as though Christ had not been raised. Forgive our faithfulness and renew a right spirit within us in the power and hope of the resurrection. In Christ Jesus, we pray, amen. Listen, God loves you. God is gracious and God is cheering you on. Friends, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare to you, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. the peace of Christ be with you you. as we prepare to greet one another we would invite our children to leave and meet their Sunday school leaders in the back fifth grade and under and youth group is already in motion so if you're in youth group you can go ahead and go over there as well let's turn and greet each other with the love and peace of Christ Pleasure it is to be together in worship today. I would like to extend a very special welcome to our guest preacher today, Reverend Dr. Nate Landis. Yay! Nate is, a, Nate is a friend of the Village Church and of many of you, and also the CEO and founder of one of our mission partners, the Urban Youth Collaborative. And so we welcome you, Nate. And also a very special welcome to our guest conductor this morning, Daniel Moyer. Nice to have you with us. Thank you for leading us in worship. So I'd like to take just a moment to make you aware of a couple of things in the life of our church together. First, a celebration. How many of you were here for Vacation Bible School this past week? Oh, well, next year, everybody needs to be raising their hand because we had so much fun. It was a wonderful week. You know, sometimes, I, sometimes it's really quiet around here during the week. And we just sit in our offices, you know, hunched over, typing and stuff. But man, when it's Vacation Bible School, we had over 55 kids here every single morning. I got to be the opening act, and it was just great. And uh, they bring their enthusiasm, and their love, and their questions, and just everything. It was wonderful. Thanks to Michelle uh, Michelle Yoon, who's our children's director, and her associate, Matt Lafon. So it was a wonderful week of activities and learning and bonding together so it was just great and i just want to i want to congratulate our families our children and our church for being a safe place for children it was absolutely wonderful i i wanted to let you know that we're going to be postponing a class that we had advertised Uh, um, on the Grandmother of Jesus, the Grandmothers of Jesus. We're going to postpone that class just for a while. One of our leaders took a little bit of a fall, but she is perfectly uh, great and organizing everybody from her bed. And we will let you know when we're able to reschedule that presentation. And then next Sunday, we are coming together for one, how many? One fantastic worship communion service at 10 o'clock. I'm gonna make this announcement like I do with children. What time are we going to meet next week? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, we're not gonna be, you're not gonna be here at nine o'clock and wonder where everyone is, and you're not gonna come at 10.30 and miss the sermon. So we're gonna meet together at? 10 o'clock. You bet. And then just because you know that so well, right afterwards we're gonna have a big barbecue and we're going to have kids' activities. It's going to be a fun time now. It seems to me that this is the perfect opportunity to invite that friend or neighbor that you've been too shy to invite to church because you could actually start like this. Do you like barbecue? <laughs> See how easy that is, even for Presbyterians. <laughs> so anyway, do you like barbecue? Come to church with me at, at next Sunday. Oh, it's just one service. Yeah. So we'll have a great time. And I just want you to to uh, be thinking about that. and, And why not invite a friend? So how good and how pleasant it is for all of us to gather together, brothers and sisters in harmony. And so now let's continue to worship God as we prepare to give our gifts, our tithes and our offerings.
2: Too tempting.
0: be seated. Friends, I don't think it could escape your notice that God has rolled out the red carpet for you today. The world is beautiful and lovely, and we are invited into this day with so much love and kindness. So let's center our hearts, let's calm our spirits, let's let go of the things we need to do later the things that we had to do before we got here. And let's just be here in this moment together as we come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Your mercy, Creator God, is a canopy under which we can rest. It is a wild and beautiful place with peace that sinks into our battered souls and grace that is a refreshing river. And God, we would ask that we might stand on the banks of that space with our heads lifted towards your goodness like the morning glory lifts her sweet face for the warming sun. Let us thrill at the way your holy breath lifts our hair and restores us to your sacred intentions. We belong to you, God, body and soul, in life and death. And what a fierce belonging. Every fiber, every cell, every firing synapse jumps to joyful attention with the movement of your will. God, let us listen. Help us to pay attention, to notice. Dispatch us, Lord. We have a miracle to announce. We have forgiveness and grace to dispense. You have gifted us with the joy of loving others in your name. Guide us to be in the path of the poor and the sick, the lonely and the rejected. And God, we would ask that you would crush our hearts so that we might be the shepherds seeking that one lost sheep. Let us make glad the hearts of those who are hungry as we fill their belly and bear witness to your hope and your care for their future. Soften our hearts, O God, towards our neighbor, our brother, our sister, our fellow humans, your beloved creation. We ask with great humility, God, that you would teach us civil conversation, Help us to be curious rather than judgmental. Dampen our rage and inspire our innovation to heal this world and better the lives of all. Your mercy, Creator God, is a canopy under which we can rest. It is a wild and beautiful place with peace that sinks into our battered souls and grace that is a refreshing river. Hear us, O God, as we lift up with one voice the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, Please stand as you are able for the reading from the
3: Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to be with you this Sunday. I have a question. As humans, is it possible for us to? be exposed to something and hear it over and over again and maybe even recite it so many times that we actually fail to really comprehend what it is that we're saying so often. I'm seeing some nods. It's it's true for lots of different areas of life, of life and I think it applies to church as well because we go through the motions so much that it may not mesmerize us and, and, and just stop us in our tracks and bring that sense of awe like it could. I I love working with young people because I get to watch them respond to the gospel for the very first time. And I I get to sit with kids and they'll say things like, you mean everything I've ever done can be forgiven? Yes. And the, the joy and the stunned look on their face is what keeps my faith fresh and young because sometimes I hear it so often, it doesn't phase me like it needs to. Here's another billion dollar check that can change your life. Well, thank you. We go through the motion so much it doesn't shock us with what we have. I heard a story of a Sunday school teacher that asked a kid who would like to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. We've sang it, we've just recited it. And so this kid felt pretty confident. He raised his hand and he thought to himself, I've logged a lot of pew time. I'm kind of a cradle-bred Sunday school kid, and I'm going to nail this. And so he raised his hand. The teacher said, you're on. And so everybody bowed their head and closed their eyes. They, they folded their hands, and he began, our Father who does art in heaven, how did you know my name? He went on and mumbled something about the kingdom, and then, said, give us this day our daily jelly bread and deliver us some email, (laughs) amen. And he opened his eyes, he was proud of what he had just said and the teacher and the class were looking at him going, this guy just doesn't get it, does he? He heard it so much, but he hadn't internalized it yet. And that's what I'd like us to do for just a minute today is whether you feel like you've really let these words saturate your heart or whether it is something that we've powered through so often. I hope it does stun us today. I hope the joy of the Lord captures your heart in a new way today. The disciples asked for Jesus to teach them how to pray. In the Luke account of the Lord's Prayer, the disciples actually stopped Jesus and said, can you please teach us? How to pray because they knew there was something different about Jesus. He was always sneaking off early in the morning while it was still dark to have a one-on-one encounter with God, his Father. And sometimes in the village, there'd be a panic because everyone was looking for him and they couldn't find him because where was he? He was out at his place of prayer. When Judas volunteered to betray Jesus, you know where he took the guards? And the soldiers to the Garden of Gethsemane because he was guaranteed to find Jesus there regularly. Not only was Jesus going to prayer often, the disciples throughout the first part of Luke, if you go back through those chapters, they were watching Jesus do things no other leader of the faith had ever done. There were lots of rabbis around the ancient Near East, but Jesus was teaching with authority it was like he had some control over what he was saying and he understood how the universe worked and then he lived that out by talking to sicknesses. He, we take extra strength Tylenol, but Jesus actually rebuked a fever in the gospel and it went away. Anderson Cooper on CNN likes to talk about the weather. He seeks out some violent storm so he can give live accounts of the rain beating down around him. But Jesus, when he walked the earth, he could talk to the weather. And the storm was stilled and obeyed him. Lepers on earth back in Jesus' time had to yell out, unclean, unclean, because they had contagious skin diseases. While everyone else was running away from this lonely leper, Jesus would walk toward him and Jesus would touch him. Jesus wasn't afraid because Jesus knew he was more contagious with life and wholeness than this leper was with death and disease. Jesus was offering forgiveness to people that everyone else had written off. He was inviting them back into community again. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children with one guy's lunch. If you read the Bible and believe this stuff, that's pretty impressive. Our ministry that you help support feeds about 1,500 to 2,000 kids a week in outreach Bible clubs and public schools. I'm still waiting for that gift. It would really help my budget. In the meantime, I've got to raise a lot of money to be able to serve kids and share the spiritual food and physical food. But God provides. He's always multiplying one way or another. But Jesus was just so different. The disciples, by chapter 11, I'm surprised it took them 11 chapters to ask. Because as soon as somebody got up from the dead, I'd be pretty curious. So by chapter 11, they say, can you teach us how to pray? There's something about your inner life that's having a dramatic effect on your outer life. One theologian said, beware of any person that is only comfortable in public, but doesn't have real intimacy with God in private. Beware of someone else who's so spiritual and private that they don't spend time with God's people that he loves. We need the balance of both. And Jesus practiced that in his ministry. So they said to him, please teach us how to pray. You have something that we don't have. You know something that we don't know. There's something about your life that's so spectacular. Teach us how to pray the way John taught his disciples. So Jesus begins by saying, our Father. It's a corporate prayer. We're all God's children talking to our Heavenly Father. It's a plural conversation as God's people. I love praying the Lord's Prayer in church because we're praying together. We each have individual relationships with God, but we also have a corporate public and family relationship with our Heavenly Father regardless of what your father relationship was like. Some of us have an easier time praying to God the Father because our earthly father made it possible to think of of God who's good because we had a father who's good. All of us have imperfect parents. I'm an imperfect parent. I was raised by godly parents who pointed me to Jesus more than to themselves. But even if you grew up with a family that makes it harder to think of God as a father you want to talk to, I want to encourage you that the yearning in your heart for a dad that's trustworthy was put there by God to be fulfilled ultimately by him. So even if you don't have it and you feel that angst, that angst was put there not to be fulfilled necessarily by an earthly parent, even though we all need surrogate dads if we don't get our biological dad the way we want. But ultimately, God wants to lead us to our heavenly dad. He's good. God says that Jesus actually said this about God. If we ask for bread, we're not going to get a stone. If we ask for fish, we're not going to get a snake. All of us like to give good gifts to our, parents, to our kids. And if we're taking care of parents, sometimes we give good gifts to them too. But as parents, there's no greater joy than being good to your kids. And Jesus says, we're not perfect as parents, yet we know how to be good to our kids and grandkids. How much more so... Does the perfect heavenly father excel at giving good gifts to those who ask? So the whole prayer is based on childlike humility where we have to humble ourselves and ask. As the leader of a nonprofit group, I have to ask a lot for a lot of daily bread. And every year the bill gets bigger, but God's good for it because I know my heavenly father provides. He's great and he's good. The next line is, hallowed be your name. In this line, we're not asking God just to have his name be used as more than a curse word. We're asking for God's reputation on the streets, in our neighborhood, in our family, online, in our communities, to be hallowed. His name, holy. The, the ancient Jews, even modern Jews, won't write the name of God. They'll write G slash D. In Hebrew, they would have a different way of transcribing the name of God because it was so holy. May our work in life make God's name holy, his reputation. I heard one ethicist uh, say that the best description of a saint is somebody who makes believing in a good God just a little bit easier because of how they live their lives. That's a pretty good definition of our job as Christians. People watch our lives. They might not come to church yet, but they're watching us and they're wondering, is it worth believing in a God who's good and worth pursuing that might be pursuing us? And they're watching our lives to figure that out. So may your name be holy, may your reputation be good. And and as God's kids, we all have a hand in his reputation, do we not? This prayer is so connected to our own lives. We pray it, but then we've also got to live it out. It's impossible to pray it without it affecting us and how we live. Then he goes on to say, may your kingdom, not ours, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no delay and there's no discrepancy between what God wants and what happens. Just like planet earth, right? Not quite. There's a big gap between what God wants and what happens here. And we all see that quite a lot. As a student of ethics, people say to me, you know, why does God allow all these horrible things to happen? Like, Why, why are there tsunamis and earthquakes and wars and famines and depression? You know, why is Justin Timberlake allowed to sing at Super Bowl halftime shows? There's all these questions that you go, what's going on? There's a uh, Justin Timberlake fan, we can talk afterwards. But there's, there's, a, there's a question in our lives about why does this stuff happen and if God is all good and all powerful, what's going on? And our job as his people is to set up our lives here on earth that, in a way that mirrors our true home in heaven. Because if we all check our spiritual ID, we're all from a different country. I have to travel a lot so usually once a week or a couple times a month, I'm presenting my ID to get on a plane and I show them that I'm from the state of California But ultimately, my idea and yours is from heaven. I am a citizen of another place. And when we're praying the Lord's Prayer, we're asking God to use us to set up our lives on earth, our neighborhoods on earth, our relationships on earth, in a way that reflects our true home in heaven. I got to go to divinity school for four years in Boston, and I would walk through some of the Irish sections of the city. And The pub facades and the restaurants were beautiful, and I took some pictures. And then later, I was able to go to Dublin, and and I realized that my photos from Dublin were indistinguishable from my photos of the streets of Boston because the people that moved from that country to this country set up their neighborhoods to reflect where they're from. You following me? So when you walk the streets of Boston, you have a little preview, a little glimpse, A little foretaste, maybe an approximation of what you're getting into when you get to the real country. Our job on earth, and you might have another favorite country for now, but one day every flag gets planted at the throne of Jesus and we're all citizens of heaven. If we visit little Italy here in downtown San Diego, it makes us hungry to taste the food and the espresso and the gelato and and the culture of big Italy, where the residents are from. We won't be able to do it perfectly. We're in a fallen, flawed world, but we get to be the pregame show before the real event. We get to be the preview of the movie that people watch and they say, I wanna see the whole thing. We're sharing the sample at Costco that makes you wanna buy the whole meal and cook it for your family. We're the approximation of the real thing. We're the ambassadors of another kingdom. So Jesus is saying, teach us how to pray this prayer. He's saying, he's saying, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we set up our relationships. May we set up our communities. May we have the values and the culture that reflects our true home in heaven. And then we pray it, and then we go build it and live it out. This is a very active prayer. We can't pray it without taking steps right afterwards to see it happen. And then the next petition, give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that interesting that we talked about all this other stuff first, and then we get to the daily bread? I'm going to do a little exercise, and I'm raising my hand not to lead a discussion as a pastor, but how many of you, if you're honest, like me, are really tempted to flip this prayer and its petitionary order, the priorities that God's given us. First, the reputation and name of God. Second, his kingdom on earth like it is in heaven. And then, third or fourth, depending how you want to count, our daily bread. I'm very good at praying the prayer upside down. God, I've got to raise so much money this year. Please help me. God, help me with my marriage. God, help me with, and God cares about all those things. But you know what Jesus also says? He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That means right relationships ordered according to God's will. And all these other things will be added unto you as well. I think American Christianity would have more power if we kept the prayer in order. And we were hungriest for God's reputation. Because right after this prayer, Jesus talks about fasting. He says, when you pray, not if you pray, Then he says, when you fast, here's how to do that. Whoa. So am I hungriest for God's kingdom to come and for his name to be great? Or am I mostly concerned about my daily bread? With my spare change and spare time, I won't be able to see the world set up like my true home in heaven. But if I trust Jesus in faith and give my life and all that I have, my time, my money, and so on, first to the kingdom, I trust that the other things are gonna fall in place. My daily bread's good if my good father is watching over me. It's a trust thing. If I give it away, I'm trusting that he's going to take care of me. This prayer should make us wrestle in our hearts a little bit. Where our treasure is, our heart will follow, Jesus says. It's like a magnet. So all you got to do, we can't control our hearts. All we control is where we put our treasure. (laughs) And then our hearts just get drawn to wherever that is. It's true for all of us. That priority order of of the prayer is what Jesus uses to reorder our hearts and mind. May your name be great, may your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. And then forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. This is another line with a condition. Just as I forgive others, I'll be forgiven. Jesus wants to forgive me. God wants to forgive me. But he's in this prayer forcing us to look at the fact that the debt that God forgives for for us, for me and for you and for everyone, is always bigger than the debt that somebody else owes us horizontally. So just as we forgive, we'll be forgiven. If we don't, God will follow our lead. He wants us to be forgiven he also asks that we have to give as we've received. Freely we've received, freely we give. Forgiveness doesn't mean that what happened was trite or it wasn't wrong or that it was acceptable in any way. Forgiveness just means that we're going to give forward what God has given to us. And that sets us free. Have you ever been in a room with someone and there's unforgiveness? The person withholding the forgiveness pays the biggest bill. The commandment to forgive is actually a commandment to set us free. Just as we've received forgiveness, we have to pass it on. On the cross, Jesus was framed and crucified for a crime he didn't commit. And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Sometimes we have to pray, Father, forgive them, for they did know what they were doing. They really wanted to hurt us. But Jesus' sacrifice takes care of both of those, and he pays it for us so we can be free. My body can't live without daily bread. My body starts to die if I don't eat. Anybody else get hangry, hungry and angry together? And you're a little bit edgy with your spouse and other people around you and you should eat before you talk? I'm like that. My body starts craving food because I was made that way. That's why when I'm fasting, I'm hungriest for God's kingdom and his name to be great. And then my daily bread, it's a discipline you know what else dies without the daily bread of forgiveness? All our relationships. Every marriage, every relationship with a kid or a parent, every business, every organization, every country, every church, every zip code, this is true. Without the daily bread of forgiveness, keeping short accounts, giving and receiving forgiveness from God, offering to give and receive forgiveness between others. That's the daily bread that keeps our relationships going. And the good news about Jesus is, there's no limit to how many sins can be forgiven. Isn't that great? What if there was a quota? You know, like sometimes some phone plans, you have a certain number of minutes you can use every month and then you're done? Or maybe your car is a car with a lease and you have a certain number of miles a month and then you're done? Jesus' forgiveness has rollover minutes and bonus miles, and there's no limit to how much forgiveness can be offered. The only limit is whether we choose to receive it and choose to give it. It's not a shortage. It's just whether we're going to let it flow through us. Just as we have been forgiven, we have to forgive. The daily bread of relationships is forgiveness. It's got to be as regular as eating for us to be healthy, That's the challenge, but also, Jesus doesn't command us to do something he doesn't pay for. That's the cool thing about Jesus. I've made a way. I've forgiven all these sins. All you have to do is accept it, receive it, and pay it forward. There's no limit. The only limit is people that don't receive it. Then he says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us not some email, as that little kid in Sunday school said, but from evil. Evil is living backwards, If you do the English study with that, flip it around. If you're dyslexic, you'll see it right away. But English, living backwards, it's evil. Keep me from flipping things around and going after the wrong priorities. Maybe it's a good thing, but in the wrong order. Help me to find life, not evil. Keep me from that temptation of settling for less. And then in some manuscripts it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we always put that in because it's reminding us of what we prayed at the beginning. What is it when you walk outside and pray? I pray with my eyes open a lot because I work in urban ministry and I've been in Philadelphia and Boston and San Diego. And so I'm good at praying with my eyes open because I want to see what else is around for safety. But also I'm praying to say, what doesn't match my home in heaven? Think about that for a second. We're we're from a place where there are no locksmiths. That's where we're really from. We're from a place where Kleenex will be bankrupt. There's no tears. Maybe tears of joy, but Jesus says he's wiping every other tear away. There's no sickness and no pain. Doctors will have to do retraining for careers. I'm hoping I get to preach in heaven. I can declare the glory of God. I don't get to do evangelism in heaven though because everybody already knows Jesus. That's my only time to do that right now. That's why I give my life to share Jesus in public schools. But that's where we're from. There'll be no divorces in heaven. Mortuaries will be bankrupt. Divorce attorneys will have to bill hourly for something else. That's where we're from. And we want to set up life here on earth in a way that's a reflection and a mirror and an approximation of where we're from. When you walk outside and pray with your eyes open, what is it that doesn't match God's kingdom? And my thing is when I go to public schools and I pray the Lord's Prayer, I'll, I'll just be like, God, this kid doesn't know Jesus. This kid doesn't have enough food. I'm stepping over a couple as I'm praying the Lord's Prayer that's inappropriately showing affection at a way to uh, early age in a crazy way, and I'm just like, God, show this couple appropriate boundaries, but more than that, the love of Jesus that can satisfy their soul, because they're looking for it in somebody else. The kid that can't graduate, the school I started our ministry at had a 61% graduation rate. That's like a coin toss. God, what would your kingdom look like if it came to reign here on earth for these students as it is in heaven? And that's how God launched me into my thing. A lot of you in here are part of that ministry, and I want to thank you. I also want to invite you to ask yourself, what is that group of people God's sending you to reach? What's your thing where you live out the prayer that we pray in church when we leave the exit signs? Last thing I'm going to say, I'm going to land the plane. Jack told me I can't preach a minute over two hours, so I'm going to stick to it. I have great respect for Drew the sound guy in the back because when I was in junior high I tried to run sound at the storefront church that I was a part of and I was a rookie sitting beside the guy that was experienced and he had the soundboard all set up right and the pastor at this church was preaching a sermon you may have heard before he was saying Jesus could come back at any minute he said in fact The trumpet can sound and the sky can part and Jesus can come and claim the people that are his. And I was really into it as a seventh grader. I was so into the sermon that I completely lost track of the soundboard. And if you've heard this story before, you know it's a little embarrassing. Um, The reverb dial, that's the echo knob on the soundboard. I had it accidentally up at a nine and a half out of ten. In a Presbyterian church, it's good to have it around a one or a two. A Pentecostal church, maybe a three or a four, but never a nine and a half. And I'm listening to the sermon, and guys going on and on saying, this might be your last second to make a decision and respond to the gospel of Jesus. And I believe all of that. And I'm listening, and I kid you not, at that moment when he said, this might be it, when my knee inadvertently hit the soundboard, and the entire storefront church heard this. (laughs) And everybody looked up. <laughs> they kept looking up. And then they looked back down, and they realized the pastor's still here. <laughs> Elder Joe's in the house, and rumor has it he walks closely with God. And then, in unison, everybody's neck turned back and was staring at me. And I shrank in embarrassment. I was mortified because I was the junior high sound boy that inadvertently faked the rapture on a Sunday morning. Why do I tell us this? It's because we're all still here. Jesus could have come back in seventh grade. There have been billboards up around town in our nation talking about a date when he might come back. It might be this evening, it might be 20 years, 200 years from now. But if we wake up tomorrow and we're still here, it's because we've been left here on purpose. God's God. He can send Jesus back anytime he wants. If we are here tomorrow, it's because we're here on purpose. There's someone that needs a prayer of the Lord's Prayer, who prays with their eyes open to envision what the kingdom looks like, the home that we're going to spend most of our time in forever. One of my mentors says most of us spend more time studying the place where we're going to go to vacation than studying heaven, where we're going to be for trillions of years. This prayer forces us to ask, what's it going to be like? And there's a lot of stuff in Scripture. Randy Elkhorn actually wrote a book putting all the scriptures together about heaven. It's a thick book. Eternity's long, it's worth reading. What would it look like if more of that started happening here and we're the appetizer where people say, I'm interested in the meal? We're the preview that says, I want to watch the whole movie. We're the little Italy that says, I want to go to the real country and live. If it's this good here, I can't imagine what the tortellini's like there. That's our job, to envision what it looks like in our homeland and set that up here. Anytime there's a gap, we start to pray, God, use me to close that gap. Use me to make life with God seem better than life without God. Use me to make it easier to believe in a heavenly Father. That's worth praying to. Can we pray to him now together? God, thank you for this time with my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the way you're at work here in our city and all over the world. And we thank you for this prayer. Lord, I pray that we will look at it with fresh eyes today. Start with me. And I pray that you'd use us not just to be prayers of the prayer, but may you send us to places that don't match your kingdom yet. And may we be used by you for your glory as the answers to some of those prayers. Use us, we pray. Show us what that looks like this week. Show us who. Show us where. But may we pray the prayer with open eyes and get involved in your work here on earth until we get to see you face to face, where you'll wipe every tear away from our eyes. We love you and praise you and thank you. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.
0: We have sung our songs and we have prayed. We have read scripture and we have heard the gospel preached. So people of God, let's stand together and affirm our faith. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand and by which we are saved. If we hold it fast, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared first to the women, then to Peter, and to the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ is the first and the last the beginning and the end. He is our Lord and our God.
3: Please remain standing if you're able to receive the Lord's benediction. King David said that it's better to spend just one day in God's house than a thousand days elsewhere. I think we experience that today with the worship and God's word and the fellowship and the spirit of God here in our midst. And my prayer for you today is as you leave this place, Pray with your eyes open and ask God where he wants you to join him in his work. We've got thousands of kids in our own city of San Diego that need Jesus and hope and a connection to a church and to achieve their full potential. I've got some cards in my pocket. Would love to talk to you more about how you can be involved with us. Our biggest need is monthly partners for the work and prayer partners who can walk with us as we serve physical and spiritual food to students in our city. But most of all, as your eyes are open, I pray that you find the people that God has left you here on purpose to go and meet, to give hope of forgiveness, to give the message of the heavenly father, to give the welcoming into his kingdom to them in a way that they can receive. All of us have a different group that God's called us to reach and together we can scatter out during the week and come back and tell stories of how God has used us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you, may you go in peace.